Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Danny Piccarelli, Managing Director of the Exclusive Collection and Bonafide Hotel Titan. Coming up on today's show... Danny reveals a groundbreaking new fad diet. So I started on, on mint sauce. Phil sets the ground rules. It's my own show, I can do what I want. And Danny tells us who is the boss. My wife makes me sit with my back to the restaurant. All that and so much more as Danny chats us through his fantastic story and journey to date. My chat with Danny is riddled with stories all the way through and he remains an absolute inspiration to us all. He continues his and Exclusive's evolution into new spaces and new ideas. We get a small taste of what's coming in our chat and I'm incredibly grateful for Danny giving up his time to share his story. And we've got more incredible stories lined up in the coming weeks. So please don't forget to give us a like, subscribe and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening. It really does make a huge difference. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Now, when I started this humble little show all those many months ago, I did write a list of people that I would love to have gotten on the show. Today's guest was on that list. Uh, Just going to get stuck straight into this today, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome the MD of the exclusive collection, Danny Piccarelli. Hi there. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Really good. And and, uh, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. I've been uh, looking forward to this for some time because the one thing that I, I mean, obviously anyone who works in the hotel industry has probably heard of you, but actually trying to, when I was doing my research, trying to get some insight into how you actually ended up getting there. There's not that much information out there. So I'm excited to learn about your your journey today. And we'll we'll get onto that, of course, uh, in a second. But you're... um, you're a busy man. You've got a lot going on, I think. So I, I thank you for making time for us today. Pleasure. Better to be busy than not busy. Yeah, absolutely. This seems to be a running theme in uh, hospitality, actually. And uh, I was talking to Francisco over at Clifton House on the previous show, which was actually released this week. And, and he said that actually, and I really love this, if you keep yourself busy, you stay in focus a lot more. So actually it can improve your productivity and just generally your your ability to achieve things absolutely i've got a a coach who's really interesting chap but that focus and staying in the moment is one of the things that he really pushes yeah absolutely great stuff well i mean let's get to it let's take us all the way back because obviously you are at the helm of one of the most recognizable hotel companies in the uk but there's probably a bit of a journey to get there. So take us all the way back to the, the the very beginning. How did you get into hospitality in the first place? So I'm I'm probably like a, a few people who are, I'm a second generation hotelier. Hotels right. are one of those industry, hotels, restaurants, where there's a lot of families that work in that space. And so I, in a way I was born into hotels but I made a conscious choice to work outside of the the exclusive collection when we first started or when I first started yeah so I worked at Savoy Hotel I worked a a Four Seasons property well a Four Seasons Park Lane and I worked in America 
in Washington DC at a big 1500 bedroom convention hotel. So I had about, I did, I did the Cornell summer school. So I had about five or six years outside of the family business before I started in it. And then right. my dad, huge inspiration is very, was, was very good in the sense of one of the downsides of family businesses has to be if you promote people without merit, then you can end up in a, in a pickle. So I had very strict targets on quality and on financials before I could progress at any stage. So I ended up running Mannings Heath, which is a golf club that we owned at the time, um, uh, South Lodge Hotel, and then moved on to uh, do a group role. Right. Okay. So basically, you had no choice. <laughs> I do what I, it's interesting. I've got I've got brothers and sisters, and they're they're not in the business. So right. I would argue to this day, I do have choice and genuine. Yeah. I, you know, this isn't the sort of industry you can work in if you haven't got a huge passion and a, a, just a love for food, yeah. drink, people, all, all of the good stuff that our industry has an abundance and and so yeah i i do i definitely had a choice yeah and you know, I, I basically what's happened then is is that you've got all of the genes that are hospitality that's effectively all went in and channeled into you a uh, hundred hundred and fifty percent great stuff um when did you kind of know that i mean there must have been a point through your your childhood i guess whereby your you're wondering whether I'm just going to follow in the footsteps of, of parents or, or I'm going to go and carve out my own path. I, I, I actually, re- relatively early, I did a summer job, um, bizarrely, at a fleet service station making sandwiches. Okay. And um, my dad at the time was running Trust House Forte and I, without him knowing, because they owned all the service stations, I went and got this job. And even just making sandwiches, I was on the night shift making. I just absolutely loved it. And I did, before I, when I finished sort of formal education, I worked for a year for a bank. And I did that deliberately to work outside of hospitality. I, I knew I wanted to go into it, but I, I sort of, A, wanted to learn to work, especially after full-time education. I think you, you kind of, you still want to live a bit of a life, and um, yeah, I I love the wry grin on your face as you say yeah, that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm trying to. I, yeah, I appreciate. I yeah, I've got to be careful with my language. <laughs> I I um uh, I really I just wanted to also validate if I was going to enjoy anything else. I worked for a bank for a year and I hated it, but that was a really positive thing for me because I learned. Yeah, I'm making the right choice. And then yeah. I went straight into the grill room in the kitchen in the Savoy. Just a amazing experience. Pretty brutal. I lost about a stone and a half in, in weight in, uh, in the first six months, but absolutely loved it. Yeah, and what, and what a hell of a training ground, right, for you to... I suppose once you know... You're not making sandwiches there, I'm, I'm guessing. No, no, I was on 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 the uh, veg section as you as you normally start off in kitchens. Yeah, and that's relentless, isn't it? I mean, the uh, I, I remember somebody telling me a story actually who was on the uh, the Savoy training program way way back, 
Um, and he said that they used to get handed buckets of uh, mushrooms, button mushrooms, and they had to carve them all into roses using a cleaver. And that's, uh, I always remember that story. And I, th- I didn't know, I had no idea if there's any truth in that at all, but it, it, is, it wouldn't surprise me because of the kind of level of muscle memory, attention to detail, all of these things that you're training into yourself. So I started on, on mint sauce. I had three weeks of just making mint sauce, hand chopped, no, no sort of Robocoop or anything, no no mixer. And I, I looked like I was smoking 40 Benson hedges a day because my (laughs) fingers were yellow. It was just, but it was all, all hand chopped, which of course now you you could do it in, in uh, a a quarter of, of the time. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I suppose, is this is that the first role then that started? Because, as you said yourself, it was quite brutal. And I imagine that's because it's, it's quite full on, quite intense. But your learning curve and learning experience is, is high, which can be incredibly motivating. Uh, I assume that it must have been motivating because you definitely you stuck it out. Yeah. And I had a, I had a hu- hugely inspirational head chef at the time, a guy called... Um... Uh, Andrew Hill, who went on to be food and beverage director of um, Glen Eagles, so really, right. yeah, just just great human being, inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. So you were in there. How long? How long did you serve at the pleasure of uh, of the Savoy? Uh, so only uh, just just under a, a year, basically, because I did six months in kitchen, six months front of house in the grill room, yep. and that been pre pre-arranged because I wanted to I, I didn't want to be a chef but I wanted to start off in a kitchen just to kind of get a good good knowledge yep. and then then I went uh to four seasons I did all, all my time front of house reception nights all, all of that good stuff right okay and that was the the four seasons in London yes yeah and yep. then I then I went to the states and worked actually in sales and marketing for uh, as I said earlier, it was a fifteen hundred bedroom convention hotel, which was just the scale was absolutely. Uh, I'm going to age myself a bit, but we did it held one of the presidential inaugural balls, but it was George Bush Senior. Right, so that's gonna, that's aging me a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, a very different type of hospitality from from uh, I would imagine from working at the Savoy and then four seasons but no less important right i mean this is still i think a lot of people are, are very very focused on your know, luxury being the pinnacle but in actual fact there's so many elements and facets to hospitality and each of them teaches you something uh, i can't imagine what the um the numbers must have been like when you had a, a convention in town I, I mean it's absolutely incredible and some of those conventions took over not just that hotel would take over most of Washington. You'd have conventions for 20, 30, 40,000 people spread out of a number of hotels, but the actual convention being held in in, in that hotel. And I used to wander around after work, wander around the conventions just to get my head around what was Soak going up. on. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, that check-in and check-out must have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, 1500 people or or maybe more than 1500 people all arriving pretty much at the same time 
and departing yeah. at the same time. But as you say, you learn something from from everything, and oh, that's the beauty of hospitality. Be it luxury or or mass market or middle market or a little cafe, it doesn't matter. You just you can learn something or 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 try something different in every bit of the market. Yeah. And was that the motivation to go to the States was to kind of put your head into something different, different culture, different jobs, different hotels? Uh, yes, all, all, all of the above. But also I, I, at the time, the, the Americans were pretty good at sales and marketing, probably a little bit ahead of the UK. So I was in the, I was in the sales area, but I also in, in my spare time was talking to the marketing function so i really picked up a lot around selling from that and they by the time i left they were letting me sell over uh, between 50 and up to 50 and 100 bedrooms at a time for a conference right and that was bearing in mind where i eventually went into which is our own business at that time we didn't have a hotel with more than 50 bedrooms so right. you know, it was just and that was the tiny job they were giving me yeah that's <laughs> it's it's madness isn't it to contemplate the the difference of types of hospitalities that exist just and that's just within the hotel world i mean it's notwithstanding everything else that you can do i mean you've highlighted a couple yourself with the uh, the sandwich making and I don't doubt that you were still delivering hospitality whilst working for the bank just not officially as a job yeah but that was one of the reasons I didn't enjoy it because they didn't like hospitality right in terms right. of delivery it wasn't it was process 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 so yeah got you definitely qualified you into hospitality then that, that... absolutely no that's great so from the convention center what, what happened next where did you head after that uh, so Cornell did the summer school there, which is really good, and then uh, came back to the UK and started at South Lodge as a effectively a duty manager, and then moved on to Manning's Heath, ran a golf club for two and a half years, which was a really interesting experience. Uh, we we bought a property that was physically really run down we built a new clubhouse a different location opened second 18 hole of golf so took it up to 36 so i love those the physical projects of developing the clubhouse and even even just developing a new golf course you just learn so much on those sort of projects yeah absolutely and uh, do you have an interest in golf yourself no oh, okay <laughs> Well, I'm, I, <laughs> I was going to say because I, I mean I, I, we'll probably get well we will get onto this because I've written it down as a question uh, at some point. But the, obviously, with Pennyhill Park being the kind of the home of England rugby these days, do you have an interest in sport? Has that come from you? Is that just one of those things that's just happened? I love my sport, but I, I, I'm really conscious. It's it's really interesting if sport is your work in if you're running the golf club and then I'm playing golf, I don't find that I'm enjoying it as much because I'm looking at, you know, what's there's litter on the course or is the striping right, right or, you know, the agronomy on the, on the golf greens, is it right? And the same, I love going to, to, to rugby, but out of work, I'm 
I'm a season ticket holder at uh, Arsenal, so I'll, I'll go and watch that. That's so I just I find that when you're immersed in something, it's not if I go out to a restaurant, of course I can have a lovely time, but I'm looking at it through a different lens. Yeah. To my wife makes me sit with my back to the restaurant if you know there's a choice of <laughs> just because it, it but, but that's just the way we're wired isn't it if you're yeah. if you're passionate about something and you you you, you just yeah i'm uh, i'm laughing because my wife makes me do exactly the same however the a caveat now that we've been uh, when we got together my wife was not a foodie at all i've definitely converted her into into a foodie so now she wants to take the seat where you can see the whole restaurant because she just loves it she she's not picking it apart like like i used to do i definitely have relaxed about that over the over the years and lived learned to kind of live in the moment and enjoy it a bit more but uh it, you just can't help yourself sometimes though can you when you're, you're just even though you're just wanting to be there to relax and enjoy if something's just not the way that it should be i just can't help myself yeah no absolutely my my brain always goes to if you see something i mean i never worry about if something's going wrong per se as in it doesn't affect if you go out and you know i think when you go out particularly if you 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 learn from what people are doing right so that's the inspiration isn't it the positive but it's still hard to rewire your brain to well i know there's a stain all over the menu (laughs) why you know is that happening with me it's kind of where my brain goes to yeah absolutely but i think we people within hospitality become i think and i don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing world class at complaining and I'm not a complainer by any stretch of the imagination, but um, if something needs to be flipped and put right, there's a way that I approach it that is not the same way that, I, you know, it's not all guns blazing and not I'm never nasty about anything. Uh, there's always a, a, a thought process behind, well, maybe they've got X, Y, Z going on. But that, it means that actually when when in the process of complaining, you end up getting far more back because you're kind of in a, in the hospitality mindset of just being kind about it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. See, if I go somewhere, I've never complained in a hotel or a restaurant. Right. I just, well, I tell you, I did once, but I had fish that was so off. I mean, it was rancid, but um, I, I just I just don't because I don't want to, I, I just won't go back. Right. And I'm, I'm, there, I'm in the camp of, yeah, just... It is what it is. I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to go back there. Right. Got you. Well, you don't, you you live and learn what works for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And plus, you know, you never know. One day, some of these people might be working for you. So <laughs> you don't want to alienate them at that point. Well, I don't know. If, if, you, if you've had to complain about something, they're probably not going to be working yeah. for me. Yeah, absolutely. So you're you're running a golf course, uh, at this time, having had no experience of that by the sounds of it, which must have been a really interesting uh, experience to get your head around, because you know running a, a, a golf club uh, is a very different ball game, pardon the pun, uh, from from running a hotel. But 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 it's still hospitality. It's still you're providing you know a member experience, and, and I kind of with with all 
I don't think of what we do today as it is hospitality, but we're in the experience business. We're creating experiences because hospitality is so much wider now. I and mean, we've got with with exclusive, we've got two spas, we've got a pub, we've got a cookery school, we've got a golf course. You, you know, you, you're providing experiences, and that's with hospitality at the heart of them. So, yeah. Although there's, you know, with golf especially, there's a lot of the technical stuff around agronomy and you know, making grass <laughs> work for the for, for 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 the golfers it's still that's a technical thing that you've got experts same as having a chef you know i can't cook to a michelin star level but but you can get to know what good looks like and how the the processes if you like of who to recruit, how to set up an infrastructure that works for an amazing Michelin-style kitchen. It's no different in in spa or golf or, or cookery school. Yeah. Does that come then from, uh, I, I suppose, a very, uh, an almost basic mentality of, of putting yourself in the shoes of, of the individual who will be experiencing that? That's exactly it. What, what does a customer, uh, you know, a golf someone playing golf is going to look for you know greens of a certain quality and, and you know, the speed of playing greens bunkers presented in a certain way that don't have stones in or or don't flood or so so absolutely there's there's a customer journey for everything if you go shopping in a physical shop you're experiencing a customer journey from the moment you you sort of about to walk into a shop to the moment that you, you paid your money at the till, it's you know, customer journey is a customer journey. You're just different physical stop points at each part of it, and different interactions with people along that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, and you know, I think I've spoken about this on the show many, many times. I think a lot of the time in business, in any form of business, that, that uh, people can get bogged down in overthinking things. But actually, generally speaking, it's usually the simple things and doing the simple things well and consistently that actually ends up making the, the biggest difference. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on and the right detail at the point in time. Yeah. If that, if that makes sense. Because if you're staying in a uh, in a hotel room and you, you've got tea and coffee what's the detail on that or someone's using a mirror to 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 blow dry their hair what's the detail that's right for that bit of of the journey that's it isn't rocket science at the end of the day yeah and actually once again i'm going to refer to my wife here that's one of my wife's biggest bugbears around the world is the the place that's designated to dry your hair in a hotel room is often very poorly lit. Yeah. And and it can be as simple as that, that can make a big difference to a, a, to an experience. Yeah, absolutely. So our job as hoteliers or in the hospitality is to understand what those points are on the journey. And you know, does a physical product deliver that? And do the people deliver that and understand what those points are? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think, uh, to be clear, it, this is definitely a wife thing. I can't remember a time where I blew dry my hair. Um, 
but there I'm, we are. I'm, I think I'm in the same camp as you. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely less and less hair these days to blow dry as well, but um, that's a different story. Um, so uh, from the uh, the golf course, how did you, because I, I know that I think we're, as anyone who would go and uh, hunt out what um, what your background is, I had a look on your LinkedIn profile and you were uh, the general manager at South Lodge before taking a group role. How did you meander into that position from 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 the golf club? I, I sort of hit the the new clubhouse that opened. It was doing well quality wise. We got course into the top top one hundred, which was one of the sort of quality targets, and then. Uh, financially it was doing well and that there we we lost the gm at south lodge and so i went over there and uh did that for four years which i absolutely loved and it's beautiful property we did another we did a project we always doing projects sort of expanding organically we did a a, a project there adding a few bedrooms and um it was just a great great experience and you know i am goes back to I'm, I'm a hotelier at heart and that's just it was a loveliest thing to see that property grow we got um uh, four red stars which is one of my quality targets yeah and um just started to to really properly meet some amazing industry people as well at that time Right, yeah, and that can have a huge bearing as well, can't it? Like it, it the um, and I've I've certainly felt that in the throes of doing this podcast, I've been lucky enough to speak to so many different people from within the industry, and that will long may that continue. And it to me, it just elevates my love for the the industry even more because you see, and you're another case in point. You see people who are just destined to do this. You know that that really brings something to the table, and uh, and that to me can't help but get me enthused and excited about what's possible and what the future holds, rather than getting bogged down in all the the doom and gloom that is easier to go find if you if you so let yourself. Absolutely, yeah, and and that's and and you never when you meet people, it's always the new things they're doing or the interesting things that they're they're doing that you just that's what inspires you and you you, you only you know you can read about it and physically see some of it but when you're talking to people within the industry and also sort of comparable industries or, or even tangential industries you just get so inspired by talking to people and someone will go, oh, I'm doing this. And you think, wow, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, uh, that's uh, I suppose, a natural case of general industry evolution is that yeah. everybody else is, if everybody else is pushing the, the bar and you haven't, you're not at that bar in that particular place, but then you push yourself to there as well. And in doing so, you come up with other ideas that take you into another place where you can improve uh, things and then everybody else sees that and it's just this it's a wonderful kind of uh, upward trajectory for the the industry as a whole and I don't think people I, I certainly think that hospitality's gotten very very good at uh, this this buzzword co-opetition yeah, yeah you know yeah. making everybody better so that we're all better together and therefore we, we're leaving a, a better industry behind us and I do think our our industry is so so good at 
just sharing. I, I love the fact that we all compete in different markets, but a lot of my competitors are really good buddies as well. Yeah. You know, the industry colleagues who you can pick up the phone to and in one minute you're helping each other out. They're saying, what are you doing this with this or how do you do that and vice versa and the next minute you're looking you've got an inquiry for a conference for 50 people and it's with the same the same people but I think we're quite unique as an industry in that way. I completely agree and I think that's really been cemented in the last couple of years which we won't get into in any case because that's that's in the past and it's all about the future now but um, no that's great so you um we're at South Lodge and then you took the, the, the group role, which I suppose for all intents and purposes, you've been in ever since. Yeah, seems yeah. like uh, uh, an age ago. But but we, we I mean, it's been good because we've grown, exclusive collections, grown in number of properties, number of rooms, offering. And I've kind of been able to grow with that. So it's been a, a lovely evolution, shall we say. Yeah, and I, I think there's probably a, a huge element of as well of you've got a fantastic product. There's no question about that, and I'm lucky to, lucky enough to have experienced some of some of that. I will definitely be experiencing more in different places. Uh, but Penny Hill Park was incredible, and I don't think you can deliver a, a a really really high standard of hospitality if you don't mean it. You know, if it's just about checks and balances and pound signs and all of that sort of thing then ultimately hospitality gets lost and the thing that i from the moment we arrived uh, at penny hill park we just were made to feel nearly like we were the only people in the building you know and i i just think that's such a wonderful and very human orientated capability beyond what how amazing your your building and product is um the people element uh, is ultimately what sets you apart i think but but it's it's what sets anyone apart the p i I think you're right you you can all right there there, there is a skill set to building a good or great product and there's another skill set in thinking how can you differentiate that great product but at the heart of it as you say if you don't have the right people and the right people culture and philosophy that just it, you haven't got the the great buildings gonna not work because you haven't got the the the, the amazing people to deliver that hospitality. I, I I always say, you know, I can walk in a hotel and I can tell whether the uh, accountants are running the 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 business or if it's a sort of VC owned <laughs> business. You can just tell because yeah. it doesn't have that sort of that hospitality is it's uh, intangible in a way but you especially if you're in the business you can tell yeah absolutely and uh, an exclusive is still uh, privately held yeah we're a hundred percent family business and um you know i think that gives us huge advantages because of our sort of reinvestment philosophy our people philosophy also i think it gives us speed which might sound a bit strange, but at the end of the day, if I need to make a decision, you know, COVID was a really, you know, we're not going backwards, but really interesting because we reacted so, so quickly because we didn't have any layers, you know, at the end of the day, sit down with 
with the, the my, my team and, and the, the senior management team and we could make a decision and it was done within a half an hour we pivoted it's back your comment about the rugby but we you know, we really focused on sports because sports could trade and within a, a, a matter of days we'd got contracts with uh, England football some um, uh, Premier League teams and we been able to sort of discuss and implement so quickly that a lot of big corporations just can't do yeah yeah absolutely it makes a massive difference especially in a a time of adversity the less hoops you have to jump through the the quicker you can move i mean that's just simple facts yeah yeah yeah, so well uh, we've obviously we've actually spoken recently on another podcast the uh, institute of hospitality podcast i'll just give that a shout out while i'm it's my own show i can do what i want um <laughs> and um that was around sustainability and i i, I did want to kind of just touch on this because i suppose that's that's a, a real case in point of one being in a an organization that where you can make that kind of decision and make a a, a massive change quickly and swiftly and almost lead the way because you are the first UK hotel company to have got a B Corp accreditation. So tell us about where did that come from? Is that just one of these inspirational moments that you wake up one day and go, do you know what? I think we should, I think we should go for that. Yeah, basically. Right. Almost sort of in, inspiration's quite hard to fall into, but, but I, I just passionate about the subject personally but also just talking to you know back to the the point we're making about having conversations with with a couple of people i i've really i inspired by sue williams who runs whatley manor and you know we're both sort of passionate at championing yeah. um uh environment and, and she's taken a slightly different route and we we joke about it but just having those conversations. And then I really wanted, back to your point about people, I actually was looking for an accreditation that puts not just sustainability, sort of planet on. I, I, I wanted that, but I also wanted a people accreditation and, and B Corp is basically people and planet. Yeah. So, and, and I also wanted a non-industry accreditation so i was really clear on not wanting a hospitality accreditation and b corp is over there's four and a half thousand companies now accredited and some really great brands from ben and jerry's to abel and cole to cook i there's just some really good companies so yeah i i kind of fell into it but but with a bit more thought and measure once the idea had started to seed yeah 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 well and you're kind of leading the way for others to to follow so you'll be the guy that they'll all be all your mates will be picking up the phone to now and going uh so how do we get past that danny but 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 that's a great thing because you know if if particularly the sustainability bit we've all desperately got to jump on on that or we ain't going to have you know without being over dramatic we ain't going to have a planet in, in which to 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 make any of these decisions so the more people it's not a competitive or non-competitive thing it becomes a you know the more and i've already had 
sort of huge discussions with some people, but but the more people jump on that bandwagon, for want of a better expression, the better it is for all of us, and the better it is. You know, I'm a great believer in we can influence. One of the powers we have running any business is our supply chain, and if you can influence using our purchasing power, we spend. 20 million pounds a year on food and drink if i can influence that supply chain to make better decisions as well yeah absolutely like it's all interlinked and I, you know i'll come back to sport actually the lewis hamilton's saying i think is we rise together yeah and that's that's the same for for the industry isn't it really yeah. we can all help each other out but no I, I salute you it's um it's wonderful work i suppose one of the things that happens as you have climbed the ranks as you as you have because you've been in the industry for a couple of years now. I think is that uh, you're a master in holder as well, and I think you're also a previous chair of the the master in holders. Just talk us through what's because I think you might be the first person that I've had on the show that's actually taken the chair position. What does that involve? Because that sounds like it's you know you're a custodian of something quite incredible. I, I I'm I'm really been lucky enough to to had a, had a few nice achievements and I'm really proud of being chairman of the, the master inholders and one one of the reasons is it, it's about giving back we run some incredible programs the um, MILD the aspiring leaders program is basically a, a funded program that puts as it says on the tin aspiring leaders through uh, we work with um, uh, Hillary Cook Hillary yeah. Cook, really incredible lady. Uh, we won the um, Princess Training Trust Award for that program. We also send more senior people to Cranfield, Cornell, once again on scholarships. And, and for many of them, there's, there's a lot of people who have come through that program years, years ago. And it's transformative. It takes some to the next level um people like gareth banner is now running the ned and ned, ned plus as it as it as it is going to be or david taylor runs a law group or well, there's so many people that have come through that and they've gone from being very competent hugely inspirational managers to 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 leaders without putting too fine a point on it so yeah. I, I just i love that i love that aspect of it and you know once again without i was chairman just when covid hit and try not to talk about covid because as you say we don't want to go backwards but the ability then we started running webinars just to help people we had kate nichols on just going through here's here's what's going on here's how you do this people here's how you uh, approach furlough here's how you can learn on this and and it became a sort of conduit for all of these guys and girls running biz, amazing businesses but in a situation they hadn't been before and could share you know with just messaging sharing best practice watching webinars about how, how to basically survive and so yeah i'm really really proud of that and really passionate about it because it it is something very contemporary and, and, and modern in it in many ways. And I don't think it gets credit for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I 
I think the the way that you and I hate to use this word pivot, but you you know that's what everybody kind of had to do at the the time where there was not not the usual business going on. But the you know the way that they that you did exactly what you just said there, it's kind of it's difficult to understand at a time like that what you're supposed to be doing. You know, yeah. be- because uh, ever you know, it was kind of everything was taken away from everyone, really, wasn't it? In terms of what you're used to to doing, and there was no playbook and how you respond or react to to things. Nobody had even heard the word furlough before until uh, until that happened. So yeah, I think what you guys did was was amazing in that time, and I, I you know I, I I can see that people would have taken great uh, inspiration from it at a time where it, there was not much inspiration flying around. No, none, none at all at one point, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we need to move forward, don't no, we? No, indeed, indeed. I mean, there was a little podcast that started in, on the back of uh, uh, for, uh, for lockdown, so it wasn't all bad, for sure. So There was lots of positives. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you have to go through the negatives to get to the positives. That's the... Anyway, we'll leave that there. Great. Well, no, I mean, um, I suppose the, the big question now is i suppose what's next for exclusive what have you got coming plans wise that you can reveal <laughs> uh, lot lots and it's so much we we um one of the nice things about what i do now is just that continuation of evolving the the, the product um we've got uh so every property has a a plan we've got a south lodge we've just about to plant a um, 5.4 hectare vineyard we've got planning that we're we're going to build some eco lodges there we've got a beautiful lake and we're building these these eco lodges on the edge of the lake and we're turning the lake into a we've already got a, a natural swim pond in the spa at south lodge but we're turning the lake into sort of the a proper wild swimming lake so you'll Fantastic. be able to climb out of your eco lodge into into the into the lake and do some proper proper wild swimming we, we've got a lot of um, uh sort of tied in with the b corp thing we're working with a really interesting company called the land app and so basically we've mapped all of our uh, the land that we have and to me, we want to, we're trying to reduce carbon everywhere, but also it's about sequestering more carbon. So what we're doing is looking at areas and if we can plant something that helps us tell a story, but also sequesters more carbon. And for, for example, we've got a, an orchard at Lainston that we're expanding and that does two things for us. We already produce our own apple juice. So if you stay at Lainston, you get the the, the in-room amenities is a bottle of apple juice. Fabulous. But if, if we can expand that, we're sequestering more carbon, we're telling a new story. We're going to, uh, at, at um, uh, South Lodge, we're going to plant a wild orchard, which I've never heard of, but it's actually an orchard where you also encourage the brambles and things to 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 grow so you're sort of sequestering more carbon but as part of the guest experience you can walk through the vineyard walk through the orchard walk into the kitchen garden 
and have all of that produce. It takes a while to get the, the wine through, but we're partnering with Ridgeview there. So the end aim is that, you know, you drink apple juice from the ground. You'll have, when you arrive, that there'll be a single estate South Lodge in partnership with Ridgeview, who are major winemakers. Bottle of wine in your room, you know, it's going to be, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I can see uh, the, your the, your body language changes completely when you're talking about it. So it, it you it's clearly a little bit of a passion project, but very exciting. Like to these are you're just utilizing what you've kind of already got available to do stuff with. It's yeah, um, and, it's really and cool. That's back to the evolution of 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 what we were talking about earlier. You know, the evolution of hotels because they they started off. In, in many ways, we, we kind of gone a bit circular because a lot of very early hotels would have had a kitchen garden or would have produced their own produce. And, and yeah. um, but, but I think we kind of lost that on the way as, as an industry. And now it's very much starting to come. You know, we're not the first people to plant a vineyard or some really inspirational people like uh, Dan Rose Bristow at the Torridon, who's you know, he's got his own cattle and his own kitchen garden, and probably slightly more by necessity where he is. But you know, so lots of people are doing it. But I think that that's definitely evolving, and it's evolving with integrity because you you see some of the big brands who have city center hotels and you know they're eco-friendly because they've got a beehive on the roof. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. It's sort of but 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 I genuinely think that's gaining gaining traction everywhere. And you know, you look at uh, we've got a few other exciting planning in 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 the the mix. And, and I, I won't say because I'm a great believer. Until I've got the planning, you can't. Yeah, that's fair but, enough. But but you know, when when we started, we it goes back to we didn't have a cookery school. And you know, at Lainston, we we that that is now part of. The hotel experience we we built a second restaurant during the last lockdown and we put wood-fired ovens in and now we we partner with weber so we do cookery courses partner with weber or you can do wood-fired cooking and and that's back to those sort of micro projects are just they're just great to expand the overall proposition yeah because also what we're trying to do is uh, and you're going to have to stop me talking in a minute because I get excited when you say what's oh, next. But carry on. <laughs> everywhere we want to, we want to have more than one dining experience, and we want to offer hugely different options. So you know, I'm huge. I love you know in in old money fine dining. So we've got Michelin starred restaurants, but also love more contemporary. So uh, the manor, you've got Michelin starred restaurant but we own the pub which is as close to some of the bedrooms as the main restaurant and yeah. we just got that in the the, the um, top 50 gastro pubs and jamie the chef down there is a fantastic cook and it's sort of local and it's proper good quality gastro pub food in yeah so there's all sorts of projects like that going on. Yeah, and I suppose the projects keep you and those around you re-energized and refocused, and obviously, I suppose at the same time, not dropping the ball on 
the things that the other things that you have in play on a day-to-day basis yeah and 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 you know goes back to what we were saying you can never drop the ball on hospitality but then you know the exciting thing there is we're we're working really hard on on our sort of people brand and people proposition and we've got some new training programs in place so that that's kind of the creativity behind that we've got food and beverage academy that we're starting we've got a really hugely successful chefs academy and we take 12 chefs a year at a level two or three qualified and the experience is amazing for them they get to go to all sorts of really interesting places but we're layering that on with front of house now we're expanding that into an advanced pastry academy and and it's that experiential piece if you can make work and education at work or learning and development part an experiential thing and it's a mixture some of it's online but it always incorporates real life visits the chefs go down they get up at four in the morning and go to Brixham fish market and go out on a boat and you know it's nice. great yeah if you can't learn from that or go to a butcher you know, they go to an abattoir it's interesting because it's actually one of the most when once they've been one of the the best feedback on on courses we get but properly understand a whole animal a whole carcass and and then sort of break it down and then get to cook with it and you've got a bit more of respect for your ingredients so yeah yeah, yeah I, it, it's it's fabulous and i just i love the fact that you i mean more or less all the way through regardless of the fact that you've been with the the organization now for as we said a couple of years you're you're not sitting on your hands like you know you're not resting on any of your laurels that um that you know that evolution piece is so so important because otherwise you know i suppose at the end of the day that's the the nature of all businesses that it does evolve and if you're not doing your bit you're going to get left behind uh, uh, absolutely you, you you effectively die i mean there's some iconic we can all think of iconic hotels or iconic restaurants that aren't here anymore yeah why because they didn't evolve or if they don't evolve they do it in a very clever way because they're very clear on what they always think of you know the ritz is a great example which has evolved but it's got a very niche you know it's still understand it's still got that and you know we don't want to be in that market but they're very clear it's a shirt and tie still you can't go in the building and but because they've got that clarity they're evolving in their own way, but they're also not evolving in that's our market niche, if I'm yep. making any sense. So however you evolve, you've got to understand what's at the core, what are you about, and then evolve around that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. A question I love to ask everyone who comes on the show, it's probably the question that everybody dreads, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, do you have any funny stories that you can share with us from your career so far? Um, yeah, uh, some some probably aren't too repeatable. I yeah. one of my one of my my favourite was when I was at the Sheraton Washington, and they used to do a lot of really really big society weddings, and there was a particular bride. It was eighteen hundred person wedding, so pretty my, my pretty big. That's pretty a convention. Big yeah, I mean, it was just 
incredible. That was just under capacity of the the, the ballroom. I don't think and, I know eighteen hundred people. <laughs> that, well, that's why I say it was society weddings because she probably didn't. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know that that was the sort of weddings they used to hold. But they um, uh, the the bride had got obsessed with having a lot of tears on the cake. Right. And I always remember they'd got to having 27 tears on the cake. And My it was, God. It's just incredible. I mean, the top ones were very, it was very fixed in with all these rods. And she wanted, it was almost, it was being carried on like um, a, like a sort of pallbearer as it was on, on poles and a platform and carried in. Right. And because the, the lights and the tech were, absolutely amazing they had these spotlights that were they dimmed the lights and they had played all this music before it's all pre-planned of course and the lights came down on the door and the cake came in but what no one had done was measure the height of the cake versus the door so only about 10 layers of the cake actually made it into the room you know, you shouldn't ever laugh at someone else's misfortune, but it was one of the funniest events. Yeah. <laughs> Just watching how that happens. Yeah, God, I don't imagine it. Twenty-seven tears must have, like, the bottom tier must have needed a digger to move it, or something. A forklift truck, probably. That's better than a digger. But anyway, can I can I have one more? Of course, yes. <laughs> Un- unleash. <laughs> So we, when we had, um, uh, we we had at a point. Obviously, everyone knows we've got the England rugby team, and this is back in the days when when Johnny Wilkinson was probably a absolute super superstar. A god. And we we also had some filming going on in in the area, so we had some a a list celebrities, and I always remember walking in to uh, the spa at Penny Hill and I was d- doing a, a show round for a couple and they walked in and Johnny Wilkerson was sitting in the in the lounge having a cup of coffee and the chap turned around and said well obviously you've laid on some eye candy for my uh, uh, my wife what are you going to do for me and at that exact moment, the, the A-list celebrity we had in was Cameron Diaz. And she walked around the corner and literally bumped into him and then said, oh, I'm terribly sorry, and moved on. <laughs> and he said, that is hospitality like yeah. I've never seen in my life. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And, you know, you, you would love to say that you planned that perfectly, right? But that's that's one of the most beautiful things that that's the sort of stuff that happens all the time is that that, that just ducks get in a row and absolutely. there you are and yeah. the beauty of what we do absolutely that's superb and uh yeah two two celebrities for the price of one in that story as well that's that's great um no thank you very much final question before i, I let you let you go what would be your top three reasons for somebody to join hospitality so many i i I, I think it's the most egalitarian. I, I, you just look at it, and there's Michelin-starred chefs that started out as kitchen porters. Um, there's MDs of international hotel groups who started off as bellboys. I've got uh, some of my GMs, Debbie, who runs 
Royal Berkshire. She started off as a receptionist at Penny Hill. You know, it just, it's so, if you've got the right attitude and you work hard like any other industry, we just, and then it's so rewarding for all of that interaction you get with people, the people you meet, the experiences you have are just, yeah. I would say that it's variety, the people you meet and that ability out of any industry just to progress really fast. Yeah. And you know, it, it no day is the same in hospitality. You're not doing the same thing. You're just, I, I one day I can be designing a, talking to designers, designing a bedroom or a, restaurant the next i can be talking about sales and marketing strategy or or um sitting down with a really interesting pr person or social media guru or just the, yeah yeah and how are we going to stop the leaves going in the pool absolutely <laughs> and it's all it's all really interesting stuff yeah absolutely even, no, even that, the leaves is interesting yeah well that, no, do you know what I, yeah, genuinely so i come back to your uh, the, the right at the beginning of your journey when you were making sandwiches and i um i did mean to, to say at the time i one of the first jobs that i ever had away from my parents business was washing dishes in a, a diner in america and uh, that happened by accident because the um the local workforce went out on strike and i ended up picking up the pieces as somebody who's over there on a student exchange. And I tell you what, that was the best three days of my life. I, I absolutely, because you're just, it's busy. You're relentlessly talking to people all around you all the time. The interaction with every part of the, you know, the service team and the kitchen team coming in uh, all the time. And I was just like, this is hospitality is awesome because I, I get to just sit here and wash dishes and talk to people all day. And I said, the, the, thing that I think I learned the most from that is that actually your ability to find the fun in what other people contemplate being beneath them or or uh, you know a mundane task will serve you well in in the world generally not just within hospitality but um, yeah there's fun everywhere you don't even have to look that hard absolutely excellent and that's well that's a wonderful way to clear uh, this conversation and uh, and to um, round that off and Danny I thank you so much for your time it's been a real pleasure to to chew the flat the fat and learn about your um, your journey uh, and look forward to to catching up again soon and and thank you so much and do, does everyone get to see your merch on on this uh, yes when when this finally gets loaded up onto youtube yes i have to say that the orders haven't been particularly forthcoming but um but all in good time well have, you have to sell them first don't you that's the thing but no thanks again danny no thank you for having me no problem at all see you soon and there we have it what a cracking journey from danny demonstrating how important it is to continue evolving and keeping your product your people and yourself as fresh as possible a huge thank you to danny for continuing to be such a wonderful inspiration we will of course be back next wednesday with another cracking story from hospitality so until then thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week